Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. I want you to know that Hebrews 11 and 1 tries to help us with a definition of faith. That faith is simply substance. Tell somebody it's substance. Faith is the substance. It's power. Faith is the substance. It's power. When you have faith, you have power. I don't care if nothing is going on in your life. If you got faith for it, you got some power. If you believe God can do it and there's no sign of it, you definitely got some power. Faith is the substance of things I'm hoping for. You don't hope for what you already have. I'm not hoping to be standing in Dream Center in Tallahassee. I'm not hoping for that. My faith has already realized the Dream Center. So I'm not hoping for that. It's manifested. You hope for the things that's nowhere in sight, but somewhere in spirit. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's evidence. Say somebody, it's evidence. If you got faith, you got the evidence that this thing can happen. It's the evidence of things not seen. Another favorite part of Hebrews 11 says, 11 and 6 says, but without faith. So first, we understand with faith we have power. But without faith, tell somebody it is impossible. It is impossible to please him, God. It is impossible to please him. So I want you to know that anytime you have faith, you please in God. God gets excited when he sees people with faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, if, listen to this, if you come to God, you must believe that he is. It's no way that you can come to God without faith. Faith is the vehicle that brings you to God. So he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. The first he is, I love to teach it. You ought to have it by now if you heard me teach this verse. The first he is, is he is, means he exists. He is. You must believe that he is. That he exists. That he's not a fragmentation of the mind. That he is just not some makeup story. He is. We must believe that he is. And then the other part, and that he is. He's not just history. Tell him somebody, he's just not history. He's present. He is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It means when you get after God, God will do something for you. When you diligently seek after God, he becomes a rewarder to the diligent. If you can just keep going, tell somebody just keep going. You will see the hand of God. I want you to hold on to your faith. The first scenario I want to give you is in Luke 5, 17 through 20. Luke 5, 17 through 20. Luke 5, 17 through 20. Three scenarios of faith that I want to share this morning. Here is number one. Number one is in Luke 5, 17 through 20. You need to hold on to your faith for hard cases. Faith for hard cases. For hard cases. Luke 5 verse 17 says, And it came to pass on a certain day that he was teaching, and there that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power, everybody say power, Glory to God. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, the men 
brought, behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. When they say taken with palsy, it means without a doubt you knew he was paralyzed and taken by what they call palsy. He was paralyzed, couldn't move. He was taken by it. It had took over his life, preventing him from doing anything that he could do while he, if he was mobile. This wasn't uh, if you were second guessing if he had a mild case. This was a strong case of paralyzation that this man's whole life was based still because he was taken by palsy. Taken. When something comes and takes you, it'll change your whole life. Or we can't take it lightly when people have diseases and circumstances. It can change your whole life. You went from a happy person who was able to get outside and enjoy the sun and now you can't walk for but two minutes. When something tries to take over your life, it's not something that you look back and uh, take lightly. There are people whose life has totally altered. There are people who are well-degreed and educated, not able to even pursue the influence and career uh, that they want or the things they desire because something has taken their life. And now they are nursing um, diseases and nursing things all day, feeding and taking care of it just to stay alive. This man was taken by palsy. But he had some friends and they sought means to bring him in to where Jesus was and to lay him before him. I'm telling you, um, you see here that these people are thinking, how can we get a hard case to Jesus? You got to have some people who refuse to give up and will continue to strategize about how we're going to get through this. I know this thing is difficult and I know we're taking medicines and prescriptions, but some way I'm still figuring out how I can get my life to where I want it to be. Four men come and grab the paralyzed man and they're thinking, how can we get a hard case to Jesus? Some way we got to get him to Jesus. And when they could not, verse 19, find by what, made they might, what way they might bring them in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now, these people are radical. Say radical faith. Hard cases requires radical faith. If you got a hard case, you can't sit there and be passive about the change you need in your life. You got to amp up your faith and you say if this situation has any hope of change, I'm going to have to be radical. They, they become radical when the crowd in the room tells them no. The crowd in the room told them no, not the people, but the crowd. What I mean is they attempted to bring him in through the door through normal means of entering a house, but it was so crowded they couldn't get the hard case to Jesus. But they say, no, sometimes we got to use unusual measures to get unusual breakthrough. We're not about to take a no because a crowd has filled the room. And the sad thing about this crowd is the anointing of the Lord is present to heal them, but they ain't there to get nothing. And there are times that things are in your way from people who don't want nothing. They just there to spectate. They ain't really that. The Bible says the presence of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, I read the verse. 
But the only one got healed was this man. You got to get delivered from a spectator mentality if you're going to get delivered and get a radical breakthrough in your life. You can't be sitting there spectating and watching and all this kind of stuff. You got to start participating and figure out how I'm going to get my breakthrough. You got to have radical faith if you got a hard case. He said, we got to get through here. We can't sit back here. And so four of his friends decide, hey, hey, buddy, hey, hey. We can't go through the door today. But we refuse to come this far and turn around. Brother, we going up on the hilltop. Now, you may think this was nothing for four of them carrying a paralyzed man on his cot or couch. They said, man, we got to go higher to get this breakthrough. And we got to do some things we ain't never done before. But we're going to do it. We're going to do a radical act of faith in order. See, I'm telling you, when you're ready for a hard case, the Bible even shows up with the woman with the issue of blood. She stopped telling everybody that she was, uh, had a disease. She stopped. She said, forget that foolishness. It ain't been working. It ain't been working. I'm, t- I'm tired of going by the normal rules, telling everybody, I'm clean. I'm clean. She said, forget it. Today, I ain't saying nothing. She ain't said nothing. She gets in the crowd and come and touch the hem of his garment. You got to have radical faith. They go to the housetop and let him down. They take off the roof of the house. Take off the roof. Now, can you imagine if you're in that church or in that room, wherever Jesus is? It's a crowd up in there. Can you imagine? And all of a sudden, while Jesus is teaching and the power of the Lord is moving, all of a sudden, something coming from the top of the roof. If you're in there, you may not have an idea who it is or what's going on. You may be thinking about getting out of there because the roof is caving in and something is going on. But no, there's somebody who is hungry and somebody who is desperate and they refuse to leave this gathering unless Jesus touch their hard case. No, no, no. It's not the devil breaking in. No, no, no. There's not nothing to run from. There is somebody who's telling Jesus, I'm going to get to you no matter what. They break the tile off the roof. They, dis- they actually distract the normal operation of a break of the service. And so even if somebody now just jumped up in the midst of my service and said, Pastor, I can't wait no longer. I need a breakthrough now. It may seem out of order, but my God, if their faith was right, I'll lay hands on them. I'll agree with them. Come on. There are times you got to know how to move. You can't be waiting on everything to be conditioned and looking right for everything. It didn't look right when they got there. They could have turned around and went home. But they say, no, we're going to the rooftop. Tuck off the tile of the roof. Let him down in the midst before Jesus. And look what Jesus said in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, all of their faith. So many times for hard cases, you need help in your faith. You need to team up with somebody. Sometimes when you have hard cases, what happens many times with hard cases is people get silent. And I understand privacy and confidentiality, but you better find somebody that can both walk in faith and walk in confidentiality. 
When you're in a hard case, the enemy will shut your mouth that you're holding on to something that's taken away your life, but you don't know how to speak up and tell somebody, I need some help getting where I gotta go. You better learn how to partner in your faith to get up some of y'all. And some people be going through so much, but they bear it all by themselves. And you got to learn how to come out of your isolation and come out of your weakness and partner up with somebody else and let them carry you oh you ain't saying nothing it takes faith even for the paralyzed man to let someone else carry him but he's still participating in the whole thing because you know what he could have made it hard so you can make it hard for people to help you number one nobody can't help you when you don't speak up and don't be telling me I shall have no discernment. Don't be telling me that the Holy Ghost speak to you, Pastor Joe, and why he didn't tell you that. You better learn to open your mouth. Hallelujah. That's what you better do. It's your breakthrough. You better learn to open your mouth. Don't be calling me. Talk about you, the man of God. Don't the Lord speak to you? And No, if you really want some help, you better ask for some. Hallelujah. I may not pick it up in the spirit till two days later. I may be distracted by what's going on in my own life. I may not hear God at that moment. It may just happen that way. Come on. Oh, come on. You better learn to speak up. Come on, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Don't be coming to me talking about coming to nobody else about you, the prophet, pick it up. In the spirit, no. You go ahead and ask somebody and go ahead and show some level of vulnerability and say I'm in this situation and I need some help. I don't need nobody to pick on me. I don't need nobody to tell me how pitiful I am. I don't need nobody to tell me why it happened and how terrible I am and why I'm really in that situation. I got to help because some of y'all call yourself helping people and all you do is make people depressed because you tell them why you here and you so pitiful and you so sorry and you say hey, I call for help. Hallelujah. And then, Hush. Come on. I call for help. Hush up. Come on. I call for help. I'm sorry. Wrong person. I need somebody who who can hear my weakness but know my strength I need somebody who can hear what I'm going through but pick me up and tell me I know where you belong I know what God can do we ain't even got to the miracles because you don't depress me about stuff I already know I know I'm paralyzed I know I ain't been moving for years. I know I've been stuck for years. I didn't call you for confirmation. I already knew I was stuck. I already knew. Come on. I already knew what I was going through. You need people who can help carry your faith. And Jesus says, I'm finished with this first scenario. When he saw their faith, their faith, he said to the man, their faith benefited the man. Their faith. So I'm telling you, some of y'all with hard cases need to start teaming up with people. Call somebody in confidence and say, I need you to pray for me. The doctor told me that I only got two years to live, but I declare I'm going to live and not die. The doctor told me this and that and that, but I declare, oh, come on, I live and not die. It seems like every time I go for a job, I don't get the job. And my, fam my finances are really just tough right now. I need somebody who can agree with me that supernatural financial breakthrough going to come to my life. Come on, you got to know how to team up with somebody when you want a hard case to get a miracle. Tell somebody, say, hold on to your faith. The second reason I want to talk about holding on to your faith is faith for long distance. Faith for long distance. Matthew 8, 5 through 10, the verses read, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, 
and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of palsy. Hmm. Didn't notice that. Hmm. Hmm. Two scenarios of palsy. I didn't notice that. Holy Spirit, the way you gave it to me. Till now. Hmm. My servant lieth at home sick of palsy. Hmm. Hey, tell somebody I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Sick of palsy. I'm sick of it. I can't take it no more and I want this thing gone. Like I'm sick of it. I'm going to put my faith on the line that God can do anything but fail. Tell me that I'm sick of it. There are things you can't get rid of until you get sick of it. There th you got to get sick of it. Whatever's making you sick, you got to get sick of it. And say, tell somebody I'm sick of it. Hey, he was sick of palsy. Shut up. Blocking my progress. I feel the Holy Ghost. Blocking my progress. I got a destiny. I know I just ain't been born and just lay here and watch everybody do life and watch everybody be happy and watch everybody flow. I've been made in this earth to flourish, to grow, to impact. And I'm not going to let this thing hold me back any longer. Tell somebody I'm sick of it. He got to go. Hey, you gave shot out. He got to go. Say, we're sick of palsy and grievously tormented. This thing was tormenting the servant. Jesus said unto him, the sin, the sin, the, the centurion. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Simple. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. So now he's approaching Jesus from a place of righteousness that although he wants this miracle, he don't feel worthy that Jesus can come to his roof. And he used the word come under my roof. Mm. I just got a fresh revelation. He said, I'm not worthy, Lord help me, for you to come under my roof. God help. But then he says, but, but, which makes it seem like he don't want Jesus to come. First he says, come, I want you to heal my, my servant. Then when Jesus said, I come and heal him, he said, no, wait a minute, do you want healing or not? Do you want the man break? He said, no, no, no. I'm not worthy of you to come under my roof. Listen, but speak the word only and my servant shall be here wait a minute so it ain't the fact that he can, he don't have faith and he don't believe or want Jesus to come he's working a different principle I believe he's working a principle for long distance miracles when you can't get there yourself when you can't lay hands yourself when you can't get to the hospital yourself when you can't go and call the person on the phone COVID-19 has presented a situation where we need long distance miracles we need a faith that goes behind the walls because we can't go there and lay hands they, they, they don't want we can't go in there and speak to our loved ones and it presented that we got to rise in our faith that God can go places we cannot and God can go behind the hospital doors although we cannot lay hands and although they can't hear our voice we got to believe in a God that can't be stopped by walls that can't be stopped by the roof that can't be stopped by any other thing in the world. He's 
said, but if you speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. Listen, for I am a man. Listen to how he talked to Jesus. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. What? Jesus marveled and said to them that follow, follow, he told everybody I was following, verily I say unto you, I have not so found so great faith, not so, not even in Israel. He said, I in Israel, I ain't never seen faith like this. He said, I ain't never seen no faith like this. What kind of faith it is? This man says, look, this is what he's saying. I'm not asking you to come under my roof. I want to come under your roof. Don't worry about coming to my house and coming under my roof. I want to come under your roof because I understand how authority works. If you speak to me and I'm under your roof and everything under the roof comes on down, everything at the top comes on down. So, so you ain't got to come under my roof. Let me come under your word. If you speak a word to my servant, if you speak a word, everything under the word will obey. See, see if you're going to have long distance faith and faith long distance, you got to believe in the word. You got to believe in the word. You got to believe that when you speak the word, that the word can go places that you can't. That the word can travel in the scenarios that you can't. You got When you believe in the word, this man said, look, I trust the word. I'm used to how things happen. In other words, he said, I make things happen every day through the word. Through authority, the word, and submission. So don't worry about coming under my roof. I want to come under yours. Just let me come under yours. And, and then the Bible says in another verse, at the south same hour, the centurion was healed. The servant was healed. So basically when he got back home, God had already healed him and never showed up in the place. Jesus had already healed the centurion and never showed up. We got to believe in miracles when we can't even go and see the people, person we want to see. We got to believe somebody say faith for long distance. Faith for long distance. When you can't get there and, and rather than worrying, I dare you to trust God. You know, when you can't get to a place, because sometimes many of us feel that things are better when we show up. You know, we feel that way. You know, something happened to your child. You're just like, Lord, I need to get there right away. Which is fine. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that. But can you have faith when you can't get there? Can you say, God, I can't get there, but you are already there right now. And believe that he's already, I can't get there and lay my hands on my child. I can't get there and use my faith. I can't get there and let my child look in my eyes and they know everything going to be. I can't get there, but there's nothing can stop your word. There's nothing can stop your presence. We got to learn to stand on the word. We got to learn to believe that the word can travel. And the word, come on somebody. I learned a song growing up as a little, bro, little boy that said there's no distance in prayer. There's no distance in prayer because the prayers of the righteous reaches everywhere. There's no distance in prayer. Y'all don't know about that song. <laughs> and you got to have faith 
for long distance issues. My third area of faith and why you need to hold on your faith. You need faith for disappointment and the future. I'm going to read several verses here, but if you hold on to me, this will be my third and final point. Faith for disappointment and the future. Second Samuel 12 chapter. Got a few verses to read. Hold tight. The story is loaded, so hold tight. Second Samuel 12 chapter. Second Samuel 12 chapter. Got several verses again. Hold tight, but follow me. Because somebody I got to talk to who's faced disappointment. I need to know, let you know you got, some, you got a future. Things didn't work out like you planned it. Things went off course. But I'm going to show you something right here. Faithful disappointment and the future. 2 Samuel 12, chapter, verse 1 reads, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. This is David in his situation with Bathsheba and Uriah when David, the worshiper, committed adultery and murder. The Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ooey lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the welfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come. And David's anger was kindled, was greatly kindled against this man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I pause to get, make you sure you understand. David has, Nathan is giving, Nathan the prophet is giving the king David a riddle. Telling about a rich man and a poor man. A poor man has raised up this ewe lamb and cherished it like his own. A stranger came and when the stranger came, the rich man had much that he could have taken from to feed the traveler. Rather than going from his own big flock that he had, he went to the ewe little lamb that the poor man had, killed it and dressed it. David heard the story and anger came all upon him. He said, should this man live, he should surely die. Verse 7, Nathan said to David... Thou art the man. Wait a minute now. I didn't think he was about to catch me in this. Wait a minute. Nathan is trying to dislodge uh, David out of his sin. There's something about sin that if you're not careful, it'll lock you in. You'll be so busy trying to fake like you were never there that you will never humble yourself to get out of it. You're so busy trying to walk in disguise that I never did it, never said it. And you're not careful, you will become elaborate at faking like you ain't ever been there. That's what happened to David. He tried to get out of sin himself. And as he tried to get out of sin himself, he dug a deeper hole. He dug a deeper hole. Tell somebody, you can't get yourself out of this. You can't get yourself out of this. Somebody else got to get you out of this. Somebody else got to bring you out of this. You can't get yourself. You can't become your own righteousness. This is what it means. He says, thou art the man. And thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. 
And I'll deliver thee out of the hand of the Saul, of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the command of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and has taken to wife, taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the, of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the, work, the sword shall not depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Nathan the prophet says you're going to pay for your sins. You're going to pay for your sins. You're going to pay for your sins. He says, you're going to pay for your sins. God said, I was good to you, David. He said, if you didn't have enough, I would have blessed you with more. You, 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 if you, I, I would have made your life even better. I, I took you out of what you was in. You was tormented by Saul trying to kill you, and I protected you. God goes through a place to help him come out of his situation by telling him, I've been good to you. See, some of the things that will help you stop sinning is to recognize how God been good to you. There are things that God has spared our lives from, kept us. We was in the wrong place at the wrong time, hanging with the wrong people, doing the wrong things. But God was still good to us. Oh, don't get me excited. I done messed up too many times not to celebrate. Come on. I done messed up too many times in my life. Not to thank God that it could have been worse. Come on. It could have been worse. I was wrong, but it could have been worse. God takes David down memory lane and says, David, I was good to you. But you just went about your own selfish ways. Listen to this right here. Listen to this. Verse 11 says, thus the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thy own house. David had to pay for it out of his own house with his sons betraying him. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them to thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. God tells Nathan, to tell David, you're going to reap what you sold on this one. You're going to reap what you sold on this one. So we got to still learn that sin has price. It has a cost. See, this church, this modern day church, just believe only in grace and mercy. But let me tell you about mercy. Mercy don't mean you ain't going to pay a price. You can pay a price and God can look at you and say, I was merciful. I want you to catch it. I said you can pay a price and God can look at you and say, I was merciful. Meaning you paid a price, but it could have been worse. I could I could have made it worse for you, but I was still merciful even in my judgment. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, let me get it. 12, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, here it is, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord has also put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. How be it, tell somebody that said, that's mercy. That's mercy. That's mercy. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So God says to Nathan, through Nathan to David, I'm going to pass the price on to the child. He said, I'm going to pass the price on to the child because this is a blaspheme to my name. 
And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Now, I want you to notice something about this situation. I've already laid the foundation that David is in sin. God is judging him. God is disciplining, which is a better word, chastising and disciplining David for his wrongdoing, for being contrary to him. But David yet repented. God already told him he blotted out or removed his sin, forgave his sin, right? Now, David is pursuing for the healing of this child. He's fasting. He went in, lay all night upon the earth. He lay prostrate, basically saying, Lord, please don't let the sin, my sin come upon this child. Lord, please turn this thing around. Lord, I don't want this thing to happen like this. Please forgive me some more. I know you forgave me already, but Lord, don't let this child pass away. Please, Lord. Please. He began to fast and plead with the Lord. And the elders of his house, verse 17, arose and went to him and raised him up from the earth, but he would not. So they trying to pick him up, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? And so they said, we don't know what to do. I want you to see here clearly that David is expressing faith even though he's just been rebuked. Some of y'all just coming out of rebuke, but you better still hold on to your faith. Because God still loves you. Although you've been wrong, God still loves you. Although you've been disobedient, God still loves you. Don't you dare drop your faith all because you're going through some chastisement or some discipline or some correction. You still better hold on to your faith. David is just rebuked by Nathan about his sin, but the moment he sees that the child's going to die, he uses his faith in order to intercede in hope that God will turn it around. Then his, his, his servants say, well, the child died. And we're afraid to tell David that the child has died because we see how aggressive he was in his faith towards the child being healed. They don't know what to do. They're trying to decide what to, what to do because they see how strong David is in his faith to believe God to turn it around. But when David saw that his servants whispered, was talking about something hid it from him, David perceived, okay, the child died. The child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel. I feel the Holy Ghost. And came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he came to his own house and when he required and when he required they set bread of him and did eat. Let me tell you what's happening here. Some of us use faith and because we get disappointed with what we believe God for don't happen, we cave in. We ask we actually commit faith suicide. 
We say because God didn't answer my prayer on this situation and I put all my faith in this, then I'm just going to give up all my faith. I'm just going to just go, I mean, because, and I'm telling you, this is a serious thing here to not, not allow the devil to steal your faith when you used your faith but didn't get what you wanted or didn't get what you believed for. This is a critical point in the life of a believer because the devil sometimes come rob you of your faith through disappointment. And when you get disappointed on sovereign things, say sovereign things, it was sovereign that God decided not to honor David's faith. And I minister this, I minister it right now. God, I heal your faith from disappointment. It was nothing wrong with your faith. Tell someone there was nothing wrong with your faith. God's sovereignty still said that this child wasn't going to live. So there was nothing wrong with David's faith. David got up from his disappointment. And I, this is a very crucial thing that I'm telling you. The enemy has come to rob you in your disappointment. When you had faith for something, that's why I begin to teach. We got to stop telling people when something don't come to pass that you ain't had no faith. You so wrong. Keep telling people these people don't sacrifice. They don't believe God. And because it didn't happen, we keep telling people uh, that you don't have no faith. Your faith was wrong. Your faith was this. No, no. So God is still sovereign, although we have faith and we can have faith and God can say, no, my better will is not to do that. And you got to be okay with God's sovereignty. I know it's tough, but you got to be okay with God's sovereignty. God is over everything. And God was sovereign in this situation. So it wasn't nothing wrong with you when you prayed for your mother. Yeah, you wasn't nothing wrong when you prayed for your, your cousin. Wasn't nothing wrong with that. God heard your faith. And I told you in the beginning, when he saw your faith, he was pleased with your faith. Because your very act of faith pleases God. But God is still sovereign over the matter. God, because if not, that means faith will become, actually, faith will become control over God. And faith is not control over God. Faith is participating with God. Faith is walking with God. Faith is not control over God. You cannot have faith and override God's will. The apostle prayed thrice. God removed this thorn from my side. He, he wasn't nothing wrong with his prayer. He said, God, get this thing out, this thorn from my side. He said, I ain't removing the thing. Your prayers are fine. Your faith is fine. But he told him, but my grace is sufficient. I ain't got to take this thing out of you for you to get through this thing. I'll birth this thing through your weakness. For in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So even sometimes with faith, God will sovereignly say, I'm not going to move it. I'm going to prove my godness while you're weak. I'm going to prove my power while you carry this thing. And sometimes you got to have faith even when you're disappointed. David was disappointed. His people thought he was going to have faith suicide and give up on his faith. Tell somebody, hold on to your faith. They thought he was going to give up his faith. They said, we don't know what to tell David. Mm -mm. 
We don't know what to tell him. He may go into depression. Tell somebody I ain't going into no depression. I'm not going into no anxiety disorder. I'm not going into no schizophrenia. I'm going to get my right mind. I'm going to keep my right mind. I ain't going to need no sleeping pills to put me down and wake me up. No, I'm not. David accepts God's sovereignty. He got up from the earth. Verse 20, let me read it again. He washed. Huh. Anointed himself. Now, who's anointed himself? I want you to get this. I want you to get the one who was just in sin. I'm getting excited. Y'all about to, I'm getting excited about this. I'm getting excited about this. Somebody who was just in sin. Somebody who just got rebuked by the prophet. Somebody who God said, what not just good to you? The same one refuses to let go his faith. He gets up, wash his face, anoint his head, which means... I got a new day. It means I'm not going to be the same man I was. God don't wash my sins away and I'm a new man anointing his head. Yes, yeah. Change his apparel. He said, I'm putting on my right clothes. I ain't going to look like I'm going through. Because you know there are some going through clothes. I'm a manager at work and I have to tell people, don't come to work like you ain't supposed to be here today. You know them going through clothes. Children want to act right, car won't act right, refrigerator cut up, I just threw on something and I'm here. You just better be happy out here. No! Go home and start over and come back with your work clothes on. He changed his apparel. He shifted his garment came out of that sadness he said okay nothing was wrong with my faith I exercised faith when nothing wrong with my faith he shook himself off changed his apparel came to the house of the Lord that's one of the signs that I'm not going to sit there in isolation because you know the devil beat you up when you're in isolation I know that right you know the devil like when y'all get isolated he know that kind of stuff well, I've been isolated before. Oh, I've been there. That's why I talk about it all the time. I've been there. My sins that messed me up. I had lost my job, lost, kicked out of school. You know what happens when, when your parents make too, money, too much money and you ain't got no scholarship and you depend on them Pell Grants and that money don't start coming in. You got to figure out how you're going to pay tuition and tuition help pay rent and all that kind of stuff. I've been there. Had to work all them jobs. That money wasn't working out. I got all sad and depressed, isolated. Won't tell nobody how I was cutting food, wasn't going to class, trying to club, every, up all times of night, cutting the food. And my sin done caught up with me and stuff like that in my life. God done shut the lights off in my life. And I'm sitting there in the dark, about to get evicted, can't pay the light bill. Huh? Isolated. Ain't calling nobody to tell nobody I'm crazy. Ain't calling nobody to tell nobody I'm undisciplined. Ain't calling nobody to tell nobody I'm messed up. I'm sitting there, I'm sad, trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of this. And while I'm sitting there trying to figure out I'm going to get out of this, won't talk to nobody who got money. Because you know I can't talk to nobody because I got to keep this thing a secret. And I got kicked out of school and I got to keep it a secret. You know what I'm saying? 
So I can't call the people with money and tell them what's going on, you know. Because if I do, then I got to work up a lie. Then after I lie, then I got to repent for lying to my grandma and lying to my daddy and all that kind of stuff. So I ain't calling nobody. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And so I'm sitting up in the dark, sadness coming on me, depression coming on me, suicide coming on me. And I think I'm there by myself. I ain't there by myself. All them demons was in the house with me, beating me up. I had black eyes and beat up. Metaphorically, I'm all beat up, thinking I'm there alone. He done beat me down, told me I ain't had no destiny, told me I wasn't going to be nothing. All in that moment, told me my life wasn't worth nothing. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. I went to the kitchen, grabbed me the sharpest knife I had, grabbed that knife and put it to my chest. Sat on my couch in the midst of the darkness, right there at the plaza, right there off of the road on the plaza, right there, uh-huh, behind the Burger King. Sat on my couch, the couch that they give you when you don't have no furniture, and you move into that place, yeah, that couch, you know what it looks like. I sat there with that knife to my, my heart for several hours under the spell of the demon, thinking about getting rid of my life. I sat there for hours until finally some say my life ain't over. And I threw that knife around, jumped up on my feet and said, some way, somehow, God gonna bring me out of this. And then I called my grandma. Ain't no sense of faking no more. Let me call the person I know gonna give me some mercy. Let me call the person I know gonna help me out of grandma. I done messed up. What's wrong, boy? I done messed up. <laughs> can you send? Can you send me, junior boy, some money? I need some money. You better get that isolation off for of you. The devil is taking away your moments with that isolation. He changed the power. He went into worship. 20, then he came to his own house when he required and then set bread before them and did eat. Look, came to his own house, listen to this, listen to this. Came to his own house and said, hey guys, you know what we've been, basically we've been going through. I put some undue burdens, listen to this, on this whole family. My sins put undue burden on this whole family. But I'm not going to quit after I have caused undue burden on my own family. Listen to this. There's sometimes you at fault at what your family going through, but you can't quit. You got to become a part of the restoration. There are times you started something in the negative and because of condemnation, you feel all bad. You want to go somewhere and pout. You don't want to be bothered. No, you started this thing, booger. Get back up in here and stand strong and walk through our emotions and walk through this process and walk through this thing. Come on, you ain't got time to run. You ain't got time to hide. David comes back and set the table before his family and say, come on, y'all, let's eat. God bringing us through this thing. He opened up, he put the food before them and they begin to eat. Listen to this. And then say his servants unto him, what thing is this that thou hast done? We don't understand what you're doing. Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou did arise and eat bread. And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and I wept. For, for I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? So while the child was still sick and alive, I was fasting and interceding because you never know what God may do. You never know how God may turn it around. You never know how God may spin that thing in my favor. 
But now that he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Now that the child has passed, why am I still going to be sad and in that place of intercession like I was? Can I bring him back again? Shall, shall I go to him? But, but he sh- I, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. That's good all by itself. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. Pay attention to the text. The text just changed on us. When Nathan came and rebuked him, he said, you have slept with the the Hittite's wife, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. The next verse says, and David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. And went in unto her and lay with her and she bare a son and called his name Solomon. For the Lord loved him. Verse 25 and I'm ending. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So listen to this. This is when you're in the right process. Too many people get rebuked and got bad attitudes. David got rebuked by Nathan. Went through the process of intercession. Child passed away, washes his face, feeds his family, goes back to Bathsheba. She gets pregnant again. He sends back message to the prophet. Yes, sir. Back to the prophet and let him know Bathsheba is pregnant. She has a baby and I've called him Solomon. And he, the prophet, verse 25, and he sent by the hand of, uh, hand of Nathan the prophet and he called his name Jedediah because of the Lord. Let me finish right here. David named His son, Solomon, it means peace. God has get rid of all the turmoil I went through, all the stuff that I caused. Come on, God will enter in with your faith when it was your fault what you've been through. David said, I'm going to call this thing peace. Somebody just want peace. All the things that's been going on in your mind, all the things that's been going on in your soul, you just want peace. You want that thing reconciled. You want that thing resolved. You don't want to be carrying this burden another day. You want this thing done and over with in your spirit, man. David said, I got peace now. God has cleansed me from my sin. God has allowed me to worship. God has allowed me to come back to my family. I recognize God's sovereignty and he names this child peace. But the prophet calls him Jedediah. Jedediah means beloved of God. It means beloved of God. So when David is coming into restoration and there's a, they're coming out of what he's been in, Nathan the prophet said, no, call him Jedediah. Jedediah means beloved and y'all know I like the word beloved because it just don't mean loved love or love means I love you presently but beloved means I love you before and God has a way of talking to you when you talk about going to your future God reaches back and tells David I loved you before you sinned I loved you before you messed up with Bathsheba I loved you before you did all the killing with Uriah I want you to know that this son name is Jedediah not just Solomon but his name is beloved and God want to talk to you about your disappointments God wants you 
you to know you've been through it, you've been hurt, you've been pained, but I got a future for you. I got a great future for you. And I loved you before they rejected you. I loved you before the abandonment. I picked you before they knew you. Y'all ain't hear me. I picked you and I loved you before everything happened. Somebody say, I'm beloved. I'm beloved. God gives David a, a comeback because he has faith in the midst of his disappointments. Some of you have been disappointed, but you just need to have faith right in your disappointment. Whether it's been sin or whether it's just been circumstance, God wants you to hold on to your faith. God wants you to stand strong and believe him for miracles, signs, and wonders. God wants you to believe you for manifestations and futuristic blessings. God don't want you to lose your faith. Tell somebody, hold on to it. I want you to know this, that the same, the same faith. Everybody say the same faith. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. The same faith. Everybody say the same faith. It, it, wasn't a, it, it was the same faith. The same faith that David used to intercede for the child that died. He used the same faith to worship God. And that same faith got renewed. That same faith got re-strengthened. And God honored his faith. So even through your sins, I'm telling you, don't you lose faith. Even through your own mishaps and mess-ups and circumstances, don't you lose faith. Hold on to your faith. Fans lift it. I'm still plunging for miracles. I'm still plunging for miracles. I'm still plunging for supernatural shifts in your life. I'm plunging for it. Tonight, today I want to end this series or this part I call it a sequel shift surprises and suddenlies with telling you to hold on to your faith if you have a hard case I'm telling you become radical if you have a hard case I'm telling you you better learn to team up with some folks find somebody who is both faithful and confidential and tell them I need you to believe God for me for some things I'm believing God for you better learn to team up in your faith. If you can't get to a situation, you better learn to believe the word. And you better lead, believe God that God's word can get to places you can. If it's a long distance situation and you can't get your hands on it, believe that God can get his hands on it. That God can get where you can't get to. If it's too far for you, out of your reach. I remember my family was going through a hard time in Miami. My mom was facing some things as well. My dad was facing some things as well. And it was a Saturday and I woke up and all of a sudden my spirit got disturbed. And I knew my disturbance for some reason was my family. I didn't know what was going on. But I was disturbed and I called my sister and the first thing I said to her is, what's going on? She said, mama just got in the, in the ambulance. She's not feeling well. Something's going on with her. She just got in the ambulance. I hung up the phone with my sister and I said, God, I can't get there. I don't know what's going on. But I trust that you can be right there on the scene. I, I can't afford to lose no sleep because I can't see it, because I can't get there, because I can't put my eye on it and analyze it and do all the things that my mind wants so my mind can rest. I said, I gotta have rest without seeing it. I gotta have rest without being there. And so I said, God, I'm trusting you that you can go where I can and help my mama's body. 
heal our body right now Lord I stood in my apartment and I prayed the prayer of faith I said God go where I can't go send angels let miracle working power go there be upon the doctors that's in there I can't get there Holy Ghost but you gotta be there I can't get there you are the hero I can't show my strength you are the hero next thing you know God turn that thing around and work with her body she's alive today will you give God praise sitting right there over there in the purple dress she's alive today there are times you can't get there but he can tell somebody he can hands lifted I'm trusting for miracles and I won't back up We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.